Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damas Leary. And today, we'll be discussing the latest show in our must-watch category, season one of Louie. What's up, Damask? Um, What's up, da? What is up? Oh, I planned my trip to Japan today. Ooh. Like the like minutiae of it all, like step by step. It was pretty exciting. But other than that, you know, nothing. That's so you don't give yourself any wiggle room there. You're just gonna. I mean, I will. I just like it makes me feel better to have a bit of a plan. Fair enough. Yeah. How are you? Good. Lots of adult decisions being made this week, which I despise. Oh, like what? Buying a car and like there are pets to be owned and looked (laughs) after and insurance to the car and don't do it. Don't grow up, people. I mean, take, I still don't have my license, so I think I'm doing pretty well there. Take the Peter Pan approach. Just don't do it. If you can avoid it, don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, if you, yeah, you, you don't need a car in Melbourne. It's fine. Anyway, let's talk about <laughs> something that's a little more fun than that. Uh, spoiler warning, as always, on this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one of Louie. If you've not yet watched Louie, pause the podcast, go watch it, come back. Otherwise, if you don't mind spoilers, feel free to keep listening. Quick breakdown of Louie is an FX original comedy, brackets, drama, question mark, loosely based on the life of Louis C.K., a divorced comedian with two kids living in New York. The show first premiered on the 29th of June, 2010, and is written, directed, and stars American stand-up comedian Louis C.K. At the time of recording this podcast, Louis has had five seasons and a total of 61 episodes. Season one consists of 13 episodes, each coming in at around 22 minutes and took us approximately four hours and 45 minutes to watch. While Louis hasn't been officially cancelled, there are currently no plans for a sixth season. Damask, do you have a story synopsis for us? There once was a red-headed man living in New York. He tried to date some ladies. It didn't go very well. He looks after his kids by feeding them pancakes at 4 a.m., and then he dies. The end. He dies. No, he doesn't. I but say, I thought I I'd that put ending. a twist at the end to see if you're paying attention. <laughs> uh, but no, I don't actually have a synopsis because you can't really for this season. It's a little hard to, uh, yeah. to summarize. I mean, it's purely episodic, so. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so this is a show that's in our must-watch category. Why is it here? Why is it in our must-watch category, do you think? Well, I know because I put it in that category. Oh, good. I'm glad you know. <laughs> I put it in that category because... Um, one is someone who just enjoys, um, comedy, comedy, com- co- 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 comedic television shows, um, and someone who would like to write them. I have always been told 
that Louis is the one to watch, sure, um, to learn from, and that I just really should have watched it by now. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'd uh, I'd certainly understood that Louis was well regarded, critically in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people that I follow on the internet, who I you know whose opinions I hold highly, really really like Louis. I've always the bits I've seen of Louis C.K. The bits of his stand-up or the mm. bits of him being interviewed, say, on late-night television or talk shows and stuff like that, have always been really entertaining. And I realized I actually have watched at least the first three or four episodes of this season before. Oh, really? Yeah. and I, I, I definitely seen the first one, but I, I think that was it. Right. I knew that, but I, well, I kept getting further and further into the season going, oh, I've seen this. And they got to a point where I was like, oh, that must have been where I stopped because I have yeah. no idea what's <laughs> happening anymore. I don't remember any of this. Yeah, right. I think it was the one with um, Matthew Broderick. Where I was like, oh, I definitely haven't seen this before. I would remember that. He has my name. I always oh, remember that's things true. he's in. That's really... I don't... Now that... Because I've known you for 10 years... But whenever someone says Matthew Broderick out loud, it feels really wrong to me. It now it does. Yeah. You can imagine when I was a kid, like Simba being voiced by Matthew Broderick <laughs> was a really big deal to me at the time. <laughs> now it's gonna be done by Childish Gambino in the live action remake oh, by John Favreau. True. Like whew, full circle, we did Lancelot last week. Wait, John Favreau's doing the Lion King one as well. Yeah, so Ooh, after doing that Jungle bodes Book, well. yeah, exactly. Jungle Book was freaking great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of yeah, so I was knew it was well regarded. I was happy to see on the must watch list. I I don't know whether I heard it being like one of the like I, I guess when it comes to like comedy on television, I keep Seinfeld is the one that comes to mind a lot. Mm, or yeah. Trying to think what else stands out Well, I out think there. like when we look back on now that we talk about the golden era of television, I think comedy-wise, Louis is definitely up there. Like sure. a comedy show that like it t- it takes itself seriously because it sees itself, I guess, as its own kind of art form as opposed to just like, oh, this is a sitcom. Like it's doing something a little bit different. Definitely not your average sitcom. That's true. And thinking about this, like it only, it's not that old. 2010 is no, when it started coming out. But there you can feel the influence of it on a lot of comedy now, Atlanta even. Yeah, from I've got last that week. in my notes. <laughs> yeah, and there's yeah. a lot in that format that you can see that comes from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why hadn't we watched it yet? Was there any particular reason? Like I said, I'd started yeah. and then just some online never went back to it. I've and- Yeah, I've watched a couple of episodes throughout the five seasons here and there just from like being in a friend's house and we're watching it. Um why haven't I watched it by myself? I don't know. There's just, there's a million things to watch. I think that's always going to be the answer. It's like, there's so many other things to watch. Um, and this isn't the kind of show I'm naturally drawn to. I'm definitely drawn to comedies, but this kind of comedy isn't usually what I'm into. All right. So let's just get straight into it. General thoughts. How are you feeling about Louis after season one? I really, really liked it. Um, and I'm, genuinely interested in carrying on and watching all of the seasons. Like I'm truly excited to watch more of it. What what are you excited about most? I just want to see how this poor slob kind of just continues on with his life and raises his daughters and like tries to meet women and just kind of falls apart every episode. I find that really engaging. So even if the show really didn't step far outside of those, because they are sort of the probably, mm. the, apart from, ex- like there are some, I think, exceptional episodes this season that explore like his relationship with religion or with his mother. Um, uh, with ageing in general. With, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. And just 
Yeah, they even just take steps back into his past. How many people have played a younger version of Louis at this stage? <laughs> there are at least four actors. Who well, I was it. reading. Um, was I reading an article? Or no, I think I was watching a video essay online um, just about Louis, and they were saying that. Well, he was being interviewed on some late night show, and he was saying that. Yeah, like he'll constantly change actor who's playing whatever character like if he just wants something a bit different then he'll go out and like continuity is not a big thing for him he's like well if i think someone can play that character then they've got the job so yeah that's the quote i read as well with something Mm. similar on the lines of there's this and i don't know that was reflected on just season one but that there's an inconsistency even in how his mother is portrayed and depending on how he wants the story to be because I was thinking that too. There's the episode where we see a younger version of his mother, and he really talks about her like she had no interest in his growing yeah. up at all. But she, in that scene in the car, mm. obviously was somewhat engaged in his. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to see like in future seasons if that like chasm between the young mum and like the present day mum, if there's any like kind of joining there. There's something that fills that yeah. in. Yeah. That... I'm I'm very curious to see if that's something that will happen. Would it upset you if it didn't happen? No, I don't think so. Because I think um, this show is kind of... The way it's crafted is like everything is its own little short story. Sure, And so it it wouldn't really bother me. As long as like each like individual story that has the mother in it is satisfactory in its own way, it wouldn't bother me at all. Okay, cool. My general thoughts are that it's good. Really good. I liked it overall. It's certainly never bad enough to be offensive in any way. But I also don't think... I think it's really, really effective at times, like really effective. Mm. And there are other times where, and there's nothing wrong with this, but it just sort of like washes over me. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't like, where I'm left not writing down very many notes. I'm left going, I wasn't really affected by that, if you know what I I mean. My note taking wasn't as extensive as it usually is. Yeah. And it's like, they're short and that's fine. That's good. Um, But I guess it, like it doesn't stand out necessarily at this point because I think, it's so experimental mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And that's really interesting. I really respect that a lot. Yeah. But I guess I sometimes I respect it more than I lo- like. It's not to say I didn't dislike it, right? But more than I enjoyed it or liked it in any one moment. Yeah. That was generally my feeling. Yeah. I mean, as we're sitting here, I am wondering to myself whether... Because I have, you know, I've like you, I watch a lot of his interviews late night, Louis C.K., um, and I've watched a lot of his stand-up and I love them. I'm yeah. wondering if my genuine affection for Louis C.K. Um, has already, it, like, I was always going to love it. You know what I mean? Just because it was his. And he was like, he, you know, wrote it, directed it, edited most of the episodes. Like, it was his thing. So, I think I was always going to be like, yeah, fuck yeah, you're doing it. You know what I mean? Like, So, that underdog story is yeah, part of it for you. Like, I mean, I guess so. I mean, I just... I just loves Louis C.K. I think he's fantastic. It's interesting because those things you talk about, his interviews or his late night stuff or his stand-up that you're talking about Mm. are all him being performative. They're all him putting on, you know, an interview on a late night television show is not a, you know. Not a genuine conversation between friends. No, no, no. That's as much performance as any stand-up is. You know, he's got an anecdote stored away, ready. He knows what the question's going to be, all that sort Mm. of stuff. Um, And certainly, I think there's even in the show, there's a stark contrast between his stand-up and then what the rest of the show is like. Mm. And that's actually a really big point of interest. I've actually got a little quote here. Um, I read it on Vulture um, and the article is called Why is Louis Such a Remarkable TV Show? And it's actually about, in regards to the TV show, 
and stand up and how those two things kind of match up, I guess. Okay. Um, it's written by Matt Zolasites. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. I probably always say it wrong. And quote is, the segmented nature of the series, disconnected, disconnected tales, anecdotes, moments and reveries, some of them just a few minutes long, evokes the stop and start rhythms of a stand-up routine, an art form in which it's perfectly acceptable to pivot from one subject to the next with a blunt transition. We never trouble ourselves with consistency when a stand-up segues from describing a dream and the event that transpired it to telling us a more subdued, melancholy, everyday story about the time he decided to confess his love to a female friend. So they're kind of comparing like the Louis stand-up style Mm. and the short, I guess, segmented stories with how the show actually runs. As in they're comparing them because they're comparable, as in they share similarities? I think so. And I think he was, yeah, he was saying that that's what was so engaging about Louis. It was just like these segmented stories and he drew you in and and it was like, and that it was really his character that he often is in stand-up. Okay, that's really interesting. I can I can see the argument there. Interestingly, though, mm. I can see a really strong point of comparison that separates them, though. The one being, part of stand-up, I think, is the art of making something that's actually often extremely well-rehearsed and written seem like it's not, seem, make seem natural. But it's rehearsed because it has to hit a certain pace and be a certain thing. I would argue the experimental nature of those short stories is very different to that. A lot of it feels like there is a general idea or tone to it, Mm. but it's lacking the pace or the sharpness or the precision that a well-rehearsed stand-up act actually has. And so while, yeah, I find them quite different, I find the way that I engage with his stand-up moments versus the way that a five-minute or a two-minute story Mm. even afterwards engages certainly in terms of the setup the jokes the punchiness of it just the pace and the presentation of it so different that i found them really not comparable much at all but that was the way i was experiencing i don't know i that's a i find that a really interesting quote because i do not feel that way about it at all um yeah i'm not quite tracking exactly what you're saying well what do you so what so what's the vulture article suggesting is is makes these two things comparable the the stand-up routine Versus the five-minute story that we yeah. want. What, what is that quote saying is the s- similar about them? It's just the short story, the uh, ability to tonally shift between short stories. And okay. because of the do, convincing nature of those stories, well, you're on board. They do. They have that very clever way of doing it, which is to put a, a stand-up segment in between them. They punctuate mm. each But you don't think story. it would work if that stand-up wasn't there? Probably, it wouldn't work as well it wouldn't flow as well you would either you would feel like you'd need something in between or you'd go well, why are we here now well you could do it but it would just yeah. feel more separate than it than it is it mm-hmm. wouldn't feel like it has the flow like you're saying yeah. of a stand-up routine that can go from one thing to another the part of the art of i think of being a stand-up comedian is making the, that pivot work yeah. you know they they have a way of making it seem like that was going to always go there. It's just a long conversation. Exactly right, yeah. Whereas I don't think that's the... Well, the show kind of is doing that with those stand-up bits. Mm. Um, Yeah, if you didn't have... Yeah, I mean, I think it's a nice merge of the two in which you see a stand-up and then I guess you... Because, I mean, Louis C.K.'s most of his stand-up, it's it's really just storytelling about him, mostly like his life as a dad or like a single man or whatever. 
And so you're just kind of like doing two forms of the same thing. As in, you got stand up where he's commenting on it, and then he like he shows you as opposed to telling. Sure, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. That is very interesting, actually. The difference between yeah the storytelling directly to a crowd and the version of yeah that oh you know it's whatever. like the picture you have in your brain when you're with a stand up. He's but he's just doing it for you, I guess. It's also interesting the way the show sort of presents the stand-up as almost like a therapy for him. Like the way mm. he uses it, like on a night where he's having a shitty night, he just yeah. goes up and does a five-minute segment. And almost uses it a way to like to process it somehow yeah. or to work I mean, I it. think it's a good emotional balance to do that because so many of the things that occur um, outside of that, you know, comedy club are so awful and like damaging to his ego and his person that when he we see him on stage and he's so confident and like aware of like his own downfalls and like how funny his his life is like he's we see his ability to laugh at it It kind of makes the show like watchable whereas like if it was just you know those those shorts that we see it could end up just being quite depressing sure (laughs) sure well let's talk about that for a second then just on the subject of comedy how do you find the show if you would assess it on a comedy standpoint i don't think this show necessarily is a straight comedy, though some people might want to cl- classify it that way because he's a comedian. Mm. How did you find it? Did you f- always find it funny? Did you find it consistently I funny? I didn't find it laugh out loud funny. Yeah. But I, I mean, every episode had me laughing at least at a few points. Okay. I'm trying to think of how, because like it was funny to me, but I was like, <laughs> amazing. It was just like, fuck, that's like really smart. That's. It was just like smart comedy. It was like, huh, I never would have thought of that. Or like just the way to like show some like stupid little situation or like bring the absurdity into it. It was like, that's um, like incredible writing. So it was funny writing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I have to agree with that. If there's nothing else, there's never an episode I looked at and went, there's one episode, there was a particular segment. I was like, this one's a bit yucky if you ask me, but. Can I hear what that one was? uh, The bit where he's following that girl home from the um, supermarket. (laughs) That was gross. I didn't like, I didn't like that one at all. I was like, this is, this is just lacking a little bit of self-awareness. It needed a little bit more. Well, that's what I wrote in my notes was like, um, we need a bit more like um, pathos or whatever in order to like, for him to win at the end or like something that, like you really need to be quite downtrodden. Um, in order to like justify that, or at least like if he's gonna yeah. follow a, a woman home, something bad has to happen to him at the end. That's kind of the yeah. thing. It's like, and like, if that is was there something that did happen at the end that was bad for him? There wasn't, unless no. you're suddenly deciding. <laughs> no, I that mean, he still I'm, got what he wanted, which is what that woman says. Like, you just want to sleep with like a, a black, black woman, girl, yeah. yeah. And he did <laughs> not that one, but he did, yeah. But generally, apart from yeah, a couple of exceptions, maybe yeah, it was definitely. I, I yeah, I don't really think I laughed out loud a whole lot at all. It was really more just about being in, like, enjoying the show and being amused, and sometimes being moved. Like mm. that's the thing that when the I show think this really show is very good at that. When it did it, mm-hmm. and it wasn't always, and even like my favorite episode comes right before my least favourite episode. So, like, one minute the show is hitting a hitting a, a, a beat and I'm going, Jesus, that's really cool to have mm. this discussion and see this on television and see this yeah. go this way because I wasn't sure. So, the one I'm referring to, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but one I'm referring to immediately is the one with the bully where he's on a date with... Oh, yeah. And yeah. then the, the teen, he asks them to be quiet because they're trying to be on this date in this donut shop and one of the teenagers comes over and basically just intimidates the fuck out of him. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it emas- emasculates yes. yeah, him and 
And then he decides to follow him home. That's apparently his thing. Follow this kid home. And then I was like, where Wait, is... Wait, was this your favourite? This is my favourite episode. Yeah, it's my favourite. And I, was, I just was like, I don't know where this is going to go. Is this mm. leading to a punch that I'm waiting for? Yeah. Or is this going to go somewhere really fucking devastating? Or it just went kind of went somewhere really honest and interesting. Mm-hmm. It was just an interesting conversation in the end. Yeah. And I loved that. That was so effective. I th- yeah, I think that episode, I mean, obviously, because we're, we're both saying that it's our favourite, is when um, Louis working at its best. We start off with, like, Louis' father doing that awful detailed recount of, like, how to make love to a woman, yeah. which is just horrific, yeah. <laughs> but amazing. And then, yeah, we have Louis being humiliated on the date, and then, obviously, that has real-life consequences. Sure, you can make the right decision, the intelligent adult decision not to fight someone, but that's got real-life consequences. The woman doesn't want to fuck you after that. Um, and then we think that's the end of that. That's his, you know, sad Louis moment. But no, he continues on and he follows this kid and the kid, like his friends go by the wayside. I'm like, oh, okay. He's going to wait until the kid's by himself and like intimidate him because he's like a big grown sure. man. Doesn't happen. He just continues following him to Staten Island to his family home. And he's like, oh, okay. He's going to have a conversation with his parents, get the kid in trouble. And that's not what happens. The family also violent. There's your reason for the kid being violent. Yeah. And Louis leaves. I'm like, oh, that's another Louis being sad that's moment. The end that, of that. That's he the loses end. Yeah, again. it's like, oh, yeah. that, that sucks. No, no, no. They're not going to stop there. We're going to have the dad come out, and they're going to relate to each other on a level of like fatherhood and how awful it must be to like try to raise another human when you've got your own shit going on. Yeah. Like that. That's why that episode is just so good. So good. Yeah. So good. And I loved I lo- that. That hit me, and I went, "This is, I think." what people must see in this show and love. Yeah. But what I just... I'm excited that like... Because everyone loves the show. I'm assuming, pure assumption, that the show will continue in like that high quality of storytelling. It's funny because I was having a discussion with someone on the weekend a little bit about Louis, someone who's seen the show. Mm. And they were talking like... not There's no real spoilers here except for maybe the tone of the show as it goes on. But if you heard about Horace and Pete, do you know what that is? Um, only in passing, but I don't actually know anything about it. So it only came out last year, I think, in 2016. Um, basically, one of the things Louis C.K. has been trying to do for a while is almost make his stuff to get his stuff, take out the middleman and give his stuff directly to his audience. Mm-hmm. So a few years ago, I think it was, he basically put up one of his stand-up comedy routines online and said, "Here, you can have it for, I don't know, 10 bucks yeah. or something like that, whatever it was. But he didn't have a distributor or anything like that. He just said, you can have it. You know, mm-hmm. and you just pay me this price. And apparently, he did really, really well. Yeah. Since then, he's done. Since making Louis, he's done this thing called Horace and Pete, which, from what I understand, is a really, really dark and somber. Like the the episodes can last from a couple of minutes to like nearly an hour, and are just like set in this bar and are really depressing, but apparently really artful and beautiful, almost like a stage play type yeah, stuff. Okay, cool. Um. And what this person I was talking to, someone who I'd only met for the first time, by the way, but friends of friends, he was saying that Louis sort of starts going down that road and he has personally fallen off the sort of the Louis bandwagon because he doesn't think he's trying to be funny anymore and he's Mm. worried that that's the case. Yeah, okay. Whereas... I find that, yeah, quite intriguing. I'm interested in that (laughs) because it was the... When it was not trying to be funny mm-hmm. necessarily outright yeah. funny is when I was most engaged with the show. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to what, if that's more of that, what that looks like. I might be the right person for that. Because I, I think it was on another video essay I was watching about Louis. 
um, or at least Louis C.K. And he was actually talking about how, um, how you know, in Australia, how we pirate everything and how it's so like, like yeah. everyone here pirates because yeah. we, and he's like, you know, maybe you know, in America, like your mum and dad isn't going to pirate, but like maybe like the kid down the road will. Whereas in Australia, everyone's doing it. Mum, dad, grandma, grandpa, everyone's doing it. And he's like, well, it makes sense because they don't have an opportunity to buy things. Yeah. He was talking about the frustration because he, he went back and talked to FX. He's like, can't we just like offer it on like another platform or something just so they can get it? And like because of the legalities or whatever, they, hugely, just, they, they yeah. couldn't do it. It's why Netflix and, so and geo, geo, not geocaching, like geo, geo blocking. blocking and stuff yeah. like that. so big a deal here. Like you yeah. can watch the American Netflix and stuff like that rather than the siphoned down smaller version we get here. It's absurd. I mean, I was trying to download an app today that wasn't available on the Australian iTunes. I'm like, well, why not? It's an app. Why can't I get it here? Yeah, it's... What's the issue? It's it's like the next big step that's stopping globalization from properly happening is just <laughs> this... No, yeah. it, but, you know, it, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's true. I'm we laughing because it's true. We live in a world that is completely connected at all times. I can talk with anyone in any part of the world basically because of the internet, but... But that conversation we're having, I can see people over there talking about the latest episode of Game of Thrones and I can't watch it because I don't have access to yeah. it or wherever it might be. It's like, that's really annoying. And yet we watch it anyway. We find a way. How do we do it, Rupert Murdoch? How do we do it? Don't Village is apparently getting some lawsuits together at the moment, so let's not talk too loud. <laughs> well, we got bugged uh, the house at this stage. I just... Ugh. It make, anyway, that stuff makes me really angry. Anyway, but yeah, so Louis C.K. was talking about that and like frustrations and he obviously was looking at ways to like reach out to fans whether he doesn't have to go through like normal distribution methods yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But I mean, just hearing that, and like he is so prolific with his writing and create. I mean, like last year he created two, I think it was ju- maybe it was more, but two sh- new shows. One was with Zach Galifianakis, which is called Baskets. I have no idea what um, that is. I watched that. the trailer. It looks weird, but cool. I think I'd be down for it. Okay. So what was the other one called? Uh, the other one is called Better Things, and it actually stars Pamela Ad- Adlon. Yeah. So Pamela who Adlon. plays Pamela in in the in Louis? Oh, cool. Yeah, um, and apparently it's very similar similar to Louis, but from what I've read, it's just kind of like improves on it. It's oh. about like this single mom raising like three kids and stuff. I think it's kind of because Pamela Adlon created it with Louis, right? Um, and so yeah, it was kind of like more on like her life, female yeah. perspective, yeah. on Louis. Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah. That sounds so, really cool. Oh, I mean, I'll probably check that out at some stage. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I mean, like he's just—he's just making so much stuff. It's incredible. Yeah, he's definitely a um, a force now mm-hmm. in comedy and television and yeah. other things, which is really interesting that he's just yeah smashing uh, it. Smashing it. Is there anywhere anything particular you want to talk about with Louis? Any specific topics or discussion points for you? I mean, I was just gonna—we might have already touched on this. I'm not sure, but I was. Because we've just watched Atlanta and now we're just watching Louis and both of those shows are kind of like malleable and you know how they, they can change from episode to episode. Sure. Um, and, and you quite liked Atlanta, didn't you? I did. I really yeah. liked Atlanta, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering if you think this show was just as successful as switching between tones um, per episode or even between like the shorts in an episode. I think it comes down to, for me... Being able to go with the experimental nature of the show, mm-hmm. it early yeah. on, like it's in got, that first episode, you see what they're going to be doing things a bit differently. Which uh, well, kind of pilots are always interesting like that because yeah. a pilot 
pilots can be a, not always the best reflection of what a show will end up being. Certainly, mm-hmm. you look at that first episode and it looks cheap. It looks sort of indie and like rushed and put together sort of yeah. amateurishly almost. It was like a like a short film festival entry. Like I kept saying it in some ways and not that I'm saying for a second that any of our stuff was anywhere near this quality, but it reminds me of like the sort of stuff sometimes even half-formed ideas that we'd end up putting into, into a little video that we'd make like in high school and stuff like that. Again, not yeah. not with this, <laughs> not with anywhere near the same inside or comedy that Louis has it, but, but, but it reminded me of the experimental nature of that when you're just trying to figure stuff out like film and get your ideas across and stuff like that. Yeah. And I really felt that. And the ep- first episode especially feels remarkably cheap. But then that experimental loosey-goosey nature seems to run through it. It's like... It's funny because I've seen a lot of people, the words used around Louis that's beautiful or it's shot beautifully cinematic. I'm thinking that must become a little bit later because this is really mm. someone who is still learning where to put the camera and how to do that sort of stuff. Not in a bad way necessarily. It's not never awful or offensive. It's just that he's learning. Um, but that helps, I think, when you're talking about the way that's shifting tones or gears or that I will go with the flow because it feels like it's just doing that self. It's going with the flow too. It's not, yeah, it's not rigid or it can yeah. just be whatever it needs to be. I think like you think about the first episode and like it sets up its absurdity at a certain level when you have the woman who runs away into the helicopter and it takes yeah. off. <laughs> Even, yeah, I mean, but I think that's what I love most about this show is it's like it goes from these extremes of like absurdity, you know, moments of extreme like pathos into like vulgarity and it's like the balance of all the juggling of them and like mm. yeah fully committing to any of those in any like given moment like just think of that first episode we have the moment where he's in the corridor like waiting for his date just knocking on the door she's like oh, i'll be out in a minute and then that neighbor cu- opens the door and she's like can you please stop yelling because i'm very vulnerable and naked yeah and she repeats that a couple of times he's like all right, just show me. And she was like, and that beautifully awkward moment where you just like feel so sorry for him, but it's so vulgar and weird. And then it leads into the worst date ever. Sure. At that point, I was like, yeah, no, I, 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 I really enjoy that balance. Awkward is a good word. Awkward comes up a lot. Oh, yes. There is a lot of awkward in there. A lot of, that became very popular sort of in the early 2000s as well. The idea of like cringe and awkwardness as a form of comedy. You think about the Ricky Gervais' office. Yeah. Ricky Gervais obviously shows up in a couple of episodes here it as does, well along the yeah. way. Um, yeah, it's an interesting show that it does have some reoccurring characters as well, just when it feels like it. Mm. Like, I think that's a good example of when the show, that second time that he shows up, I was like, oh, this is the same joke. It's just, I didn't, like, I didn't it, laugh at that. It, it just is was, just Ricky Gervais being Ricky Gervais. And you might not have laughed, but I love when he's doing I mean, I love the Ricky Gervais show. Where I it's do just too. Him ribbing Carl Pilkington. I really enjoy that. So when he was just ribbing Louis C.K., I had no problem with but that. But Louis C.K. is like, thing about Carl Pilkington that makes that interesting is like, there's debate out there about whether Carl Pilkington's a character or not, but he certainly doesn't seem like a character. Yeah. Like, part of what makes the Ricky Gervais show, and I highly recommend anyone who hasn't heard that podcast go on. It's one of the first podcasts I realized that I actually started listening to. I think it might be really? the original podcast I listened to was the Ricky Gervais I show. I think mine was How Did This Get Made. Right, okay. Yeah. So I remember listening to this like, a lot, how old is that Ricky Gervais show? It could be 10 years old now. It's so well, long ago. Are you talking ago. about like the XFM stuff or the... The one that the came... The actual Ricky Gervais the show. The actual Ricky Gervais show, which came 
after the XFM stuff. Because right. you can go back and find the XFM yeah. stuff. But the Ricky Gervais show was like, they've taken Carl Pilkington out of that radio station setting and made a whole show about him and Steve Merch and just asking questions and making him seem like yeah, a Making fool. fun of him, yeah, Amazing. the whole time. But that works because Carl Pilkington, as far as I can tell, really is that interesting, absurd, awkward, crazy. Louis isn't. Like he obviously isn't that, and so that joke the second time around for me was just like, oh, that's the same joke from episode two or three. The joke of him like just, saying awful things, just to being him. awful, just being an awful doctor. I, 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 can't, I really did. No, I loved it. I thought it was. It really made me laugh the quite a lot. First time when it was its own bit, right? I really enjoyed. As someone who is a chiropractor by trade, mm-hmm. it's funny. I kept looking at it through the the prism or the lens of like, it's really interesting when you have to be a doctor to people that you already know. Like when I meet people for the first time, it's like, hey, I'm Dr. Broderick, nice to meet you, blah, 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 come in. And you're very professional. And the way you control yourself in that setting is really specific. Um, And then when someone you've known for 10 years comes in, Mm -hmm. it's hard to take the whole thing seriously. Yeah, right. And you kind of allow yourself to to do things that you would normally do because they know what you're like when you're not in that professional setting. Yeah. And so I liked that. I kept thinking that was really insightful and funny. Yeah, in in that first instance where we see Ricky Gervais and he, I think my favourite line um, of his was he calls Louis with the results, I think. Yeah. And he's like, oh That's yeah, no. The, the bit at the end of that episode, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh no, you've, yeah, you've caught the AIDS and oh yeah, I can see you've caught the AIDS from raping little blind boys and that just got me. I was like, that's the most offensive thing you could possibly say. But like... That's the most Ricky Gervais thing. Yeah, exactly. Say, yeah. <laughs> that's why I love it because I'm like, yeah, he just goes to the nth degree of like shitting on someone, which I like. And I guess for me, that bit at the credits was the cherry on top of that joke. Yes. So when you go there mm-hmm. again, 10 episodes later for no reason, but because yeah. he was going to be... I, I think was like, if, oh. if he and was... It, and it was the setup. It seemed like the whole episode was a setup to that moment. I'm like, oh, it was a setup for that joke again? There wasn't something new or mm. more interesting to get no, to? No, I didn't quite feel like that. I think if Ricky Gervais was in it like every other episode, it might be a problem. But like two times in a season, it, d- it didn't really it's bother not, again, me. Again, it's not offensive. It was just like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, right. That's where you want to go. Yeah, okay. Eh, whatever. Do you think it might have been like, oh, my friend... Ricky, come on, just for a little, like a bit of a ratings boost, like help me out a little bit. I think there's a few. Well, I think it works both ways. I think there's some people who are just on there who have since become actual people that I recognise. Who's um, that? Well, the woman that goes on the date with in the first episode, she's on Chelsea Peretti. Yeah, she's, she's on Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nine Nine. I was mm-hmm. like, because the first time I watched that, because I had seen that episode before, I was I had no uh, idea who that was, and now I'm yeah, like, right. oh, cool, okay, so. Friends of friends, they're you know, getting people you know onto the show. And I imagine a lot of those comedians around that poker table at the start of episode two, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know them necessarily by name, but they're comedians as well. Yeah. And then you get Ricky Gervais and Matthew Broderick and people that you know, are a little more high profile to just help make my show seem a bit more appealing. Mm-hmm. Certainly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you have any like questions, you like specific questions you wanted to bring forward? Uh, not really. There's just little details about the show that I think are really interesting mm-hmm. to talk about in terms of the way that it's made. And we have discussed some of this a little bit already. One being the format. And we talked about the way, just the idea that these like long, these individual stories, one or two sometimes an episode that are almost like long skits. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those, again, I think are more successful than others. Some of them are funnier than others. Some of them are more serious than others. Some of them are more interesting than others. Um, but they are, they do just feel so breezy and light sometimes that they're just like a skit. Like, you come away at the end of it and go, 
oh, that wasn't even really a joke yeah, in there. <laughs> it just was a yeah, thing. I hadn't thought of it like that, but no, you're right. It is It is very skit-like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I like just that. kept thinking that's what they were. It was mm. like, it'd be a 10-minute or five-minute skit sometimes and then a 15-minute skit and some of them yeah. wouldn't even have punchlines. Yeah, it's just like a sketch show but with like the same character in each because it plays, he, he such is, like and the kids are different um, scenarios but with you know the character of Louis in the middle of them yeah and and again like you were saying it's almost like a expansion or the the more realistic look at his stand-up stories which is a really interesting way of thinking about it like this is what it looked like and felt like to be in that moment this is how you retell that story mm-hmm. as a joke and make that a, a piece of entertainment mm-hmm. As a stand-up comic, that's really interesting. Yeah, the experimental and low-budget nature of it, I thought was interesting too. I'm interested to see where that goes if it stays that experimental and low-budget, if it gets more direction. And the reason I'm interested in that is because well, even if it is like that low-budget, I feel as he like grows as a director, it won't be so overt. That's yet. where I was going to go next. So the thing that I don't know if we brought up properly yet or emphasise enough, is that this is written and directed and stars. And I said that earlier, and I know. I'm pretty sure he edited the majority of the episodes. Right. So he has got his hands really into this. <laughs> and the I was looking through his IMDb history to try and figure out what his history was. And it's not like he hasn't done stuff before. He's done shorts, he, uh, short films here I mean, and there. Direction-wise? Yeah, direction-wise mm-hmm. in particular. He's like He is not completely uh, new to film or short Film. He or wrote and directed Pootie Tang, didn't he? I've not seen that. I don't know what that is. Um, well, the answer is yes, he did. Okay, good. Um, I, I haven't watched it either. I just went through his IMDb and saw it. I'm like, that sounds familiar. I mm. clicked on it. It's like a, um, it's a bit of a stoner flick. Right. Um, but I'd be very interested to see it because it's, yeah, I was really shocked to find out it was by him because it's, it seems like a film made by a black person for black people. You know what I mean? Like, cause I've never seen it, but that's like, I remember seeing the cover and stuff. It's kind of like, oh, what's it? Soul Plane and stuff? Sure. Yeah, like it was something like that. I was like, oh, as like a 14-year-old white girl, it's probably not for me. There's a name for that. I can't think of it. I want to say it's black comedy, but that's not what it is. But there are like films that are like made for like, Af- like that are targeted specifically African, made by African-American filmmakers and aimed directly at that audience. The only term I know is black exploitation, but that's not for black people. No, 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 no. That's that's Hence a different the name black exploitation, yeah. I'll figure it out. I won't bring it back up in another yeah. episode. <laughs> but like, you know, like all those Medea films and stuff. I thought it was something like that. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Um, yeah, and so I'm interested to see as someone who is maybe, maybe he's got some experience, but it still feels like he's sort of, uh, what's the word? Sort of finding his voice in some ways mm-hmm. in that where that what that looks like by episode four and episode five will be interesting yeah. i mean i think he was given so much creative freedom because of the deal that he made with fx which was kind of um oh do tell uh I've, I've got some because i was reading an article on in sorry in the new york times it's called fx expands influence behind unorthodox programming by Amy Chotzik and Bill Carter. And it was just talking about the kind of the successes that FX has had and their model to kind of bring in creatives. And right. um, the specifically what they did with Louis um, was that they offered him much less money but gave him much more creative freedom. Yeah, to I've like heard make, about this yeah. recently as well. Um, which is very similar, I think, to what they did with Always Sunny, which is a brilliant show as right. well. Um, and I think that's how they really draw in, you know, people who have really different and creative ideas. It's like you might not make like the big bucks that you would on a network, but 
by golly, you're going to have a lot more freedom to make what you actually want to make. And I think they, financially incentive-wise, they give them a bigger share of the profits if it does make, if it does get big, I think, as well as part of, the, part of that deal too. I mean, I didn't read that, but that wouldn't surprise me. It came up, this is interesting, this came up in an episode of um, Gen Pop I was listening to, another podcast that I highly recommend anyone who's interested in television and just, yeah, Gen Pop stuff in general. Um, they were talking about the nature of TV and how we've had... American TV in particular has never had more scripted television. It's like mm. it's it's increasing in an exponential rate. Like it went from something like a couple of years ago, it was like two hundred scripted television shows to like over four hundred or something like that. But how a part of that and places that are trying to expand their catalogue of shows has been yeah, getting more creatives in and yeah, offering them more creative freedom, less pay initially, but as a financial mm. incentive, if you do make a good show that that is a hit. So, sort of you're putting your... You're really suggesting I can make this sell as well. Yeah. That you will ex- also get a bigger share of the profits at the end of it. Which is why Louis has been able to do things like what he has. His audience has grown by people finding it popular and having... He gets a financial reward for it being popular. And then he's able to do his Horace and mm. Pete's and his stuff like that. Which well, has I no mean, that's thing, like another show on FX that I just mentioned before was Always Sunny. was like a very small show, very small budget. Um just written by like a really a, a couple of friends um and then like i think it's up to like 10 seasons or something maybe more now um and the fx i think it was the ceo was saying that now because of like it never had like a huge success um because of their business model and be able to like draw something out they then like were able to sell it to comedy central for syndication and now yeah, it's right really their big money maker yeah. just from this tiny little show and just like giving it the opportunity to grow and create a fan base. So it's the idea of putting in a lot of risk, but well, a lot of risky options, but little bit of money into each of them and seeing like planting little seeds mm-hmm. and seeing which ones grow and then harvesting from those. Yeah. It's an interesting idea and it does give people an opportunity to... I think it's to working for, you know, companies like FX and AMC, AMC. and that kind of thing. I mean, I, I definitely think it's working. I think that's kind of television that people like you and I are drawn to like TV nerds and stuff like that's the kind of stuff that we want to be watching very rarely does like a big main network um, American network bring out a show the NBC had like some great NBC had some great comedy they had to start getting risky as well well that's the thing because they were in like a steep decline (laughs) struggling I remember during so they had to yeah but like CBS and stuff I can't think of one thing that I would watch on of theirs they've got a really specific thing an audience they've got locked in at this yeah. stage NBC I don't know what the full story is there but it was always interesting watching NBC during the days of community and obviously I've mm. expressed my love for that show in the past but every time there was a it was came to uh, sort of cancellation and renewal season it was like praying to God that community was going to get renewed again and a lot of that mm. was because there were some of the reasons it did a lot of the time was because they didn't have anything else like the little the little following that show had at least it was like loyal yeah. Whereas, yeah, there were these other shows they'd throw. I mean, yeah, money Community at them. would garner so much interest just from like their fan base. And then obviously, like every like pop culture site out there would be talking about Community because that's obviously where the TV nerds go. Mm. Um, but yeah, because I remember like they did Parks and Rec and 30 Rock and all that kind of stuff, which I loved. I'm not sure if they've got anything at the moment. But yeah, like as I was saying, yeah, those smaller channels, those um, premium cable channels are much more. Um, or what, like, you and I are into, I think. Sure, yeah. definitely. Generally speaking, of course. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Just another little detail that I noticed as I was watching the episode by episode, something that changed. You were talking before about how the, I think it's, I'm pretty sure, but I could be wrong, that that episode with Ricky Gervais, the first one with him in it, ends, I think, is it, the, is it during the credit scene that we have that bit where he calls Louis? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure it is too. And then something started happening in the credits later instead. It wasn't that they were written bits or skits anymore. They were outtakes. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. I don't know how I feel about that. I hated them because <laughs> I started, I was like, you're, you're giving, well, okay, hate's a strong word. I question what that is telling the audience. Mm-hmm. Because part of what made Louis really interesting was this idea that it was a very honest look, right? Or that I was meant to some... Even though, yes, it's got this loosey-goosey feel and anything can happen from one episode to the next or whatever. There's a part of me that was meant to buy into this world and buy into the character of Louis. So when I there's a bit where you see the outtakes of the news presenter that he saw in a dream and you can hear his voice... wailing and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and you can see his voice behind the camera and they start talking about the performance of it. I really felt like that was... I don't know what that was trying to say or was trying to communicate anymore. I wonder if perhaps... I mean, like, because you and I have, like, made stuff in the past or whatever and, like, you've obviously made more than I have. But, like, you know that feeling of, like, when you've got this, like... um, What's the term I'm looking for? Grassroots. Grassroots, thank you. Um, And it's got this feeling of community that, like, when, like, a friend of yours or someone, like, makes something and you see those little, like, outtakes or bloopers, Mm. like, it warms your heart a bit. Like, it's kind of like, oh, like... Yeah, I'm almost like a part of it or like I can see like how much work's gone into it or how much fun that is that they're, they're making this thing. And I'm not sure if that's what they were trying to do because the show Louis obviously has so many like people from the New York comedy scene who are probably more well-known in America and Louis like writing, directing, starring, editing it. Maybe it was that kind of sense of community, a um, little bit of insight that you can get into like this cool club of comedians i'm not sure what they were doing i didn't particularly like it but that's the only kind of reason that i can gather they might be doing it yeah i just yeah i can i can see the like you said there's a cute reason for doing it it's they weren't unfunny necessarily they were entertaining sure but they're also so tonally it felt jarring jarring is a good word for it. it just it just sort of like and like the credits if you're going to put it anyway, put it there. Don't put it in the middle of your show, obviously. But still, That's it's just like, weird. that doesn't feel like I needed that there. I think I feel like that episode would have hit with a louder, loud or a harder punch or been more effective if you didn't, didn't, didn't then go and like undercut it with this bit of like frivolity at the end mm-hmm. that just was totally fluff and, and ruins... Yeah, I don't know. It just sort of undersells 
this thing I he think created. it undercuts the sincerity that That's they're trying to go it. for. Sincerity. Yeah. Well, that was something I sort of wanted to talk about as well. Is just, yeah, it's hard to talk about a lot of this show because it is such an episodic nature. But one of the most, I think, important qualities or standout qualities of the show is just how human and honest it feels because of the way it's got that flowy, real, almost improvised sort of nature to it, to a degree. Mm. Um, and that really works for it, especially when it's some of the topics that's going over. So, the show sort of starts its first episode talking a lot about kids and like the public school system. And there's a lot of that in the show as well, talking about his experience being a single dad and raising two girls and the school system I find really interesting and the other parents. I liked a lot of those things. Did you find any of that particularly insightful or interesting? I think this is the first show that made me go, oh, it like being a parent seems kind of okay because it's either like so like idyllic that you're like well i'm a a human garbage mess that i could never be that or it's so awful that you just like lose who you are as a person whereas i like kind of like the realism of like you know you can be a horrible garbage mess of a person but you might actually just be really good with raising your own kids and like you can at least like you might be a mess everywhere else but when it comes to like loving your kids or like being there for them that's something you can do really well. I was like, oh, that actually kind of encourages me a little bit. That's really where the season, if there's ever any arc to the season, it's almost like the realisation that Louis, he sits here and he's on the comedy stage and he's like going on about how hard it is or how shitty it is to be a dad at times and to be a parent and to be an old, older divorced dad. And then he gets to that stage at the end where he realises he really does like being around his kids and that's yeah. what makes him sort yeah, that, of what he's, what he's good thing. at. Yeah, yeah, it's his thing, yeah. That is a, that was a cool place. I did feel like uh, it was interesting the way actually the show ended. I think it's worth note, worth noting. It ended in a place that was almost like if there's no more seasons, it kind of like had a thesis. It like had a point. It, mm. it was nice to read a reach a point of like catharsis in a way for for Louis. Mm. So that was cool. But knowing there's four more seasons coming, it didn't land super hard because of that. Yeah. Well, what did you feel about that like depiction of parenthood? No, I thought that was really good, and I thought the. It's one of the things that's interesting about the show, actually. There's a lot of bad acting in it at times. People who real at the first episode, that bus driver is not a good actor. Like, oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, there's just it was bad. But it's just like there's, I don't know. It it can feel very clunky and just it's for a show that feels real. It can also feel like really not real at times. Like really, like mm. you've been put in front of a camera and made to like say lines now. Mm. Um, Can I say that I found that um, the elderly Louis' mother was fantastic? I loved I that loved actress. Her. I thought she was yep. I've got so. A few, good. Like um, character shout-outs. Okay, sure. One was the elderly Louis' mum. Yep. Um, who's like narcissism is just off the charts. It's beautiful. I loved it as soon as she walked in the door. Just horrific. Yeah. Um, I loved the doctor in the like religion episode where he's oh, teaching the great. kids about. The crucifixion, that actor. I don't know who he is, but beautifully performed. So like intensely horrifying. Yeah. Just just fantastic. Um, was and obviously like Pamela Adlin. I just thought she was a great foil for a lot of like Louis bullshit and just like yeah, yeah her, her dry sense of like humor and just like oh, cut their, the, yeah, cut the shit. Yeah. Their relationship as this like. Um, I'm hoping to see a lot more of her. I would like to as well as the two. Yeah, single parents who are sort of trying to exist with in their individual situations in New York was that was all of their conversations felt real and compelling and interesting and 
yeah, I liked I liked those two together anytime they're on screen. It was really good. Um, oh, sorry, I, I do have the actors' names. The Doctor is Tom Noonan. He's great, and um, the elderly mum is Mary Louise Wilson. So there you go. I yeah the we let's skip to the Doctor bit then to mm-hmm. the religion one because that was one of the heavier topics. Um, and really, it's funny. It's like it was. I had two trains of thought. One was like, th- yeah, uh, yeah, I know. Like, I know how fucked up Catholicism is and like <laughs> Catholic guilt and mm. like how horrific religion is to children. This idea that, you know, that. It's uh, awful. It's it's a kind of like, obviously not compared to like real torture. Yes, blah, blah, blah. But like, it's a kind of like emotional torture to sure. put your kids under. It's an emotional abuse to a way. This oh, like, I completely oh, agree if you with that. don't do this, don't live this way, A, the idea that you inflicted this pain on someone or B, that you're going to burn in hell for the rest yeah, of your life. Yeah, the fact that if you do things wrong, you can burn in a place for all of eternity to tell a child that yeah. that's really really messed up Fucked and up. they're the same people who don't want you to like learn about like same-sex couples in school i'm sorry what's more damaging for a kid to learn that gay people exist or to learn there's a fiery pit that they're destined for i'm sorry but it's, oh I've, I've got no time for religion at all i mean you can go on just with the idea of like making sex sort of shameful as a thing that should only mm. exist between a married man and a woman that it's only there for procreation that yeah. That, and then the fact that the Catholic Church has been covering up pedophiles for decades is oh, you know, the fact that like the, just, the Catholic listen. Church still have tax exemptions <laughs> when they've taken so much from the community. It's fucking bullshit. I, listen, I'm I'm like I 100 percent agree with you on all of this. I don't think this podcast is the place to really <laughs> for us to start airing out our anti-religion laundry. If you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. Right. It's like, I'm with you, girl. But uh, are you going to keep it in though? Yeah, it stays yeah, good, in. It's good. just I just think we should end it before it becomes the whole yeah. podcast. Okay. Yeah, but, that, that's a yeah, good point. Because the thing is, though, mm. I think you and I completely feel that way about things like Catholicism or religion in general, really. And so that episode was sort of like, yeah, I know, but it was very compellingly done. The that especially that scene with the doctor. And like, and even for a moment, it's like I'm getting sucked into that narrative as well. It was hard not to. Mm. Like, it's, it's so like, potent and so well articulated mm. by this monstrous human being. Yeah, I mean, it reminded me of when um, I, I think oh, I would have been early, very early high school, so maybe 13, 14. Um, and my parents took me. My, I grew up in like a Christian household. My parents took me to see the Passion of the Christ. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I went to the Passion of the Christ and started laughing a couple of bits. I'm a horrible human being. I didn't sleep for a week. Oh, really? It traumatized me. That little devil baby. I'm sorry. That's a great scene, though. I, I can't. Oh, it was. Whoever they had playing the Satan in that film was so good. So like, good. I mean, I don't think I'll ever be able to watch that movie again. I can't. Like it as because at the time I was a Christian. I was a young Christian girl, and it. God me, like so. I really related with like, yeah, the the guilt and the horror um, that that young Louis felt. I was just like, yeah, no, try. I've been there, and like, I was like scarred from like having to deal with the reality that this man went through horrific torture because of me. Like, that's a really messed up kind of thing. And so, like, I was like, when I was watching that episode, I was just like, 
yeah, no, I get it, little Louie. And then when his mother said that beautiful speech of like, you know, like I just, I never had faith and I didn't want to take it away from you. So I thought, you know, here it is. But like, if it's hurting you, then yeah, so don't I, worry about I, it. I, as much as I found the the scene with the doctor sort of reenactment or, you know, description of the that autopsy. That scene in and right, of itself is great. Is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it, as, as, as I just, like, as you said, just as I, you could take it out and just like look at it and go, that's really mm-hmm. affecting. I found the scene between Louis and his mum more interesting mm. in terms of like that conversation of yeah. why, if she is someone who doesn't really believe this stuff, would you send your kid to a Catholic school? Louis asked, why'd you, why'd you send me to that school? Mm. And that whole idea of that, I didn't want to take that away from you or yeah. is really interesting because I, I don't know, I guess personally, I'm not sure that religion is one of those things that you should be taught as a kid anyway. You should know <laughs> about religion, but yeah. I don't think you should be told that this is the way the world works. It's one of those things if you're going to choose to be that way, maybe do it when you're an adult. Yeah, I think, yeah, you need to like position it as like, oh, this is a belief system. And that there that are many people, of them. That people choose to believe. Yes. Which I think is a very clear distinction that I, I as a as me personally, as a parent, I would make. I was oh. like, you should be aware of these things because that's how certain people live. But it is a, a belief system that is chosen it's it's funny i always think about when i was in primary school whenever re would start religious education for anyone who don't know if that translates from australian sort of school system to anybody else but when re would come in like a thursday or whatever then there'd be this lady from the church would come in and do like an hour with us or whatever and these few kids like this select few a handful at most they didn't have to do it they could leave or did leave and what like their parents didn't want them doing it and i always found that really weird i always found them very mysterious i'm like who are these people (laughs) they were pretty much always like people who were like jehovah's witness and stuff there was those and there there was in my mind there's this one girl in particular whose name from memory is like michelle or something like that i think i have a bit of a crush on her but i have a crush on all girls um (laughs) the who i was like I had this feeling that her parents were like, like wealthy, like business people. Yeah. I was like, why? And they're like, they're bullshit. It's bullshit. I yeah. guess that's yeah. what it was. Now I think back and go, oh, you're you are doing what I am probably going to mm. do when I have kids. I just go, no, no. Yeah. I like. I'll encourage my kids to like study religion in high school, but I don't think they do need- it during philosophy. Do yeah, it exactly. It, like, yeah. In that context. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, when you're it's clearly stated like this is an ideology, like like this ideology it's a and this ideology of, thought, of yeah. ideas, yeah. not this is the truth. This is the world <laughs> that yeah. we are living in. Yeah, totally. And we have now lost fifty percent of our viewership, probably. <laughs> Maybe not. We don't know any religious people. What are you talking about? I'm hoping about? people we don't know are listening to this show. Oh. Mm. Are TV nerds generally religious? I doubt it. I don't know. People still watch Supernatural. I mean, believe whatever you want, but I can believe whatever I want. And that's cool, right? Yeah, we're just we're harping on about it. And people are like, oh, geez. Keep your religious and political talk out <laughs> of our film podcast, please. Or TV podcast. Mm, actually, no, I'll just say what I want. And you can like do that little like skip 15 seconds ahead. Just keep doing that until we stop talking. <laughs> Solution right there for you. The next second episode started talking about... There was that conversation around the poker table about... Which is a real, I really like that conversation mm, too. Because yeah. A, it was actually quite funny. But that helps yeah. when there's like six comedians sitting around a poker table. Yeah, shooting the shit. Yeah, it's pretty good. And, but it was just a conversation. But it was also a really interesting conversation about the power of words and where words come from and what they mean and why mm. someone who that word might be directed at yeah. with vitriol and anger yeah. might find that word being used even in a context of comedy, maybe not as, maybe still find that uncomfortable, even yeah. when being used. Not to offend, to 
to, in some ways it's used to undercut it or talk about the absurdity of that word, mm-hmm. but it can still have power for some people. I find well, that really I'm, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that's always a fascinating discussion um, when you're talking about comedy and comedians about like, what is what is okay, what isn't, what's appropriate, when isn't it appropriate. I'm personally of the thought of like, you can joke about anything. Yeah. As long as you can justify to someone else why it's funny without feeling ashamed of yourself personally. Okay. Um, obviously, that's different for every person because some people might not have a, um, a moral compass that I think is particularly good. Um, but generally, I think that's kind of the best way to navigate those things. And I think it's always important when you're joking about, you know, like rape or like, you know, using the F word, like faggot or or whatever, yeah, child abuse or whatever it might be, is like just being informed about it and like where those things come from and what are you making the joke about? I mean, I think Sarah Silverman is a perfect example of this. Her shtick is pretty much like racist jokes, but the persona she has is we're laughing at these racist jokes because having these racist ideals are hilarious and absurd. That's yeah. where the joke is. It's like when, again, going back to the office for a second, you're laughing. Mm. You're not laughing at the joke that David Brent is telling. You're laughing at David Brent. The horror that someone could say that. It, it, and it's and it's punctuated. And the way that it works is because everyone around David Brent is looking at him like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And that's what makes mm. it a cringeworthy, but B also makes it funny and compelling yeah. to watch. Yeah. Um is that lack of understanding or tact or any of those things, qualities that you might want before you start making jokes like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I truly believe that you can joke about any subject matter as long as it's like it's 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 smart and it, it comes from like a place of like true knowledge about whatever the hell you're talking about. Which is what that conversation was great at because mm. it was about education. It was about yeah, totally. a gay man talking about what the word I'm not going to use just for the sake of... Let's just not use it. We don't need to. I already used it. Oh, did you? <laughs> oh, I missed that. Um, but using you know, specific mm. homophobic words as part of a joke, what that meant to him. And then knowing that, it just mm. gives Louis the, you know, yeah. the background the next and time he does use yeah, it. And he, and he says, it's like, so feel free to use it. Just but now it. you know what it might mean to someone. And he's like, all right. And then his friend goes, all right, thanks, faggot. Like that, and that yeah. was it. Like I, just, I thought that was a good way to do it. Um, so whereas when you like tell people like if someone has a problem, you're like, no, fuck you. I can say whatever joke I want. That's when like you're shutting down conversation. As yeah. people are like, you yeah, know, fair enough. But this is my perspective, like where that joke come from, comes from, where I was coming from in it. Apologize, you know, that you didn't think it was funny, but, you know, at least like have a dialogue about it. You know what I mean? Again, why that conversation was good and why just I like yeah. Louis's attitude to the whole thing because he just kept going, no, like I really am interested. Mm-hmm. Like, like, no, I, I, he is obviously engaged... It's. I think that is one of the reasons I like his comedy because it can be, you know, quote unquote, offensive at mm. times. He yeah. doesn't hold back on topics. Well, I remember when he opened for SNL and he was, I can't remember the joke exactly and I'm obviously going to slaughter it, but he was making a joke about how, um, wait, was this the SNL one? Anyway, he was talking about pedophilia of one of his stand-up moments and he's talking about how if, because of like all the risks that go with pedophilia. Obviously, if you're caught being a pedophile, your life is over. You'll go to jail. You'll either be murdered or raped in jail. I think he talks about it on the show. He talks about this as well. If it made it slightly less. No, that yeah, that's the show one. But in, oh, okay. in on SNL, it was... um, And then he goes, well, okay. So if you know that as a pedophile and you still do it, 
it must be kind of it must be really good and he's like and like, like <laughs> and he's like saying like I'm like I'm not excusing pedophilia or whatever but he was obviously like and it's in a similar vein making a joke about how our staunch black and white view sure. of pedophilia yeah. um actually the, it the kind of puts of kids in more danger because in those situations it's like they have no choice. You know what I mean? I guess just the lack of nuanced conversation yeah. about it. I've always found that mm, mm, going down a really dark path that we start talking about these sorts of things because this is not something that people want to talk about for obvious reasons. Yeah. Like pedophilia is obviously a horrific thing. Child abuse is not, mm-hmm. you know, awful, right? Yeah. But we, and rightly so, there are a lot of people who defend the idea. Some people would argue that, and I'm not one of these people, but some people would argue that homosexuality is abhorrent because it's not, quote-unquote again, natural or something like that, right? And so we talk about how homosexuality is not a choice and that's really important that you don't get to choose what you're attracted to. So that's a really important part of why you would defend homosexuality. Of course, the other side of that is that's two consenting adults and that's the other reason it makes it okay. That's the bit that's missing from pedophilia, but the thing that's missing sometimes in the conversation is the idea that some people, for all sorts of reasons that are are very nuanced and and often traumatic and tricky, aren't necessarily choosing what they're attracted to. Now, do they have the choice with what they do and how they do it? Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. That's we forget that they're people sometimes. Yeah, that's boy. This is going down a really no, no, but no. I think path. I think it's um, a good conversation to have, though. <laughs> no, because I agree with you, and I have had that opinion for a very long time. Like, yeah. obviously, pedophilia is wrong. No one is excusing that behaviour. Of course not. Except Milo, whatever the fuck his name was the other day. Oh, fuck off. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> You're interested You're the third in, person to say that. I'm not interested in anyone from Breitbart, whether they've <laughs> now quit or not. I've got... Ugh, get out. Get out of the world. Just if be you're shot into space. <laughs> I'm not interested. Um, but no, I think it's like a really important conversation to have is about sexuality and choice. And while sure. homosexuality, me being a gay lady myself, I don't feel like I had a conscious choice to make about who I am or am not attracted to. Yep. And I think when it comes to pedophilia, um, that's probably the same situation. And unfortunately, because of the dialogue around pedophilia there really isn't a lot of options for those people to make smart, sensible, safe decisions for themselves and the community sure. because, because they can't voice their opinion. And obviously it would, it's a horrific thing and anyone who acts on those feelings yeah. should be, you know, dealt with accordingly. But I just think, it, yeah, it lacks that nuanced discussion, like which said, I think is what Louis is bringing up. Definitely. Anyway, back to <laughs> what we were talking about is, yeah, Louis said that thing on SNL and there was this big furor about you can never joke about pedophilia. It's never funny. Oh, I knew someone who was a victim sure. of pedophilia. How dare you? It's kind of like, well, that's that's that doesn't help anyone by just yeah. saying, let's not talk about it. You can't talk about it. It, and it can never be brought up in comedy when so many like really dark, scary, awful, icky things to talk about are brought forth in comedy and we can like laugh about it. We can like find a new perspective that we weren't able to see because yeah. we could laugh about it. And I think that's really important. And I think it's great that they're discussing it and they're pushing boundaries in Louis and I hope they continue to do that. Comedy is an excellent avenue to approach something from a different perspective, to get there in a way that might that would surprise you as well and get to mm. a point and go, Oh, I never thought about it that way. Exactly. And not it's only a be entertained. Changing perspective because you're in that place of comfort. And you'll yeah. get through your defenses sometimes because of that. And that's what makes it really yeah. important. 
Absolutely. Cool. <laughs> what happened there? I don't know. <laughs> Go and rant for a second. Whew. Religion, These, pedophilia, what's going on? These sides are kicking in. But this, I think this is what one of the things that makes Louis valuable is that he's talking about really interesting subjects like this. It's not, nothing really seems to be off the table here. Meanwhile, then we have other things like in that same episode, the poker talk, we have the episode where he goes, he's sort of pining over this lost love from high school. Tammy, mm, somewhere or other. Yeah. So, what do you think about what do you think about that storyline and where that went to? Because to me, yeah, that felt like a long setup for the punchline being two unattractive people having sex aggressively in a, in a kitchen. Which I was like, okay, sure, that's a. I guess yeah, that's a punchline. I don't know if I really saw as that as a setup and then a joke kind of thing. I saw it as just kind of an exploration of how. As you grow older and you look back on the shiny past and like, oh, like, because obviously like when I've gone through like an awful breakup or whatever, I'm like, oh, that's right. Remember that one girl that like you'd slept with and then like, but you said no, because then you started dating this girl that then like eventually broke your heart. And like they seemed sure. gleaming at the time. Yeah, I saw it more as like an exploration of that. And then obviously when you were confronted with that shiny gleaming past, it's actually... Exactly the same as your reality because you're the same as you've always been. The other person is the same as they've always been and the actual real world is kind of like dirty and messy and just kind of a bit subpar really. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so I didn't yeah, I didn't really see it at the setup and then a joke at the end. Yeah, I may, maybe that's maybe that's where I'm getting things wrong sometimes. Maybe that I, I do see them as an attempt to do that mm-hmm. and then when they that moment happens that I think is it trying to be a joke. I'm sort of like, eh, I didn't, cool, okay. And then again, it's not like I didn't think the whole thing was a waste of time. I agree with you that all those things are true about it and I see that too. It's just yeah. when it gets to that point where things start getting frantic yeah. and they're like throwing themselves around the kitchen and then the music's kicking in and stuff yeah. like that. Do like, you think because okay, is he joke? is a well-known comedian, you have that expectation? Maybe. And maybe I think that's possibly why I find the stand-up bits to be helpful and unhelpful sometimes. Mm. And I know, doing a little bit of research, that in some later episodes, there are no stand-up bits. And I'm kind of interested to see what that episode Me looks too, like. Me too, actually. I think that'll be... Yeah, I'd like to see just pure Louis the character. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that sounds good to me. And I understand why it's in there. Again, it does say a lot about his him as a person, as a comedian, and why he does what he does. But yeah, yeah. If it can break out of that formula sometimes, I think will be really interesting too. Mm. The Heckler episode was an interesting one. Um, and I'm pretty sure she's like a very famous Broadway actor, but the the girl that was the heckler, yeah, she I just remember her from the show Smash. She oh, was I've in never that. Seen Smash. But yeah, no, that is. That, that's I was like, oh, it's a chick from Smash. Is that one of those musical shows that came after Glee? Yeah, and oh, it was yeah. awful. <laughs> okay, sure. I liked it up until maybe like five episodes in when they did a Bollywood episode, and it was just awful. Sure. Anyway, yeah. Did but. you did you like that bit with the heckler? I was laughing a lot because it was so brutal. I mean, like is a hard word, but like made me laugh a lot because he was just, he was going in and he was just ripping her apart and I really enjoyed it. What about the And then at the end when he's just like, like you're not a good person, like a good person wouldn't do that. Like these guys have like 15 minutes, maybe a week, maybe a month. That's all they've got. And you to come in and take that away from them. Like you're not a good person. I found that really satisfying. <laughs> I did. I really did. I'm like, yeah, some people just need to be told. It's like, I know, I understand that you think you're a good person, but a good person doesn't act this way and you should know that. I liked it a lot. What did you think of it? Um, I 
was enjoying the heckling bit, I guess. I don't know. I didn't didn't love that conversation at the end for some reason. Again, I think I agree. It's not like I don't agree with what he's saying or I'm not finding that stuff interesting. It's just like, I just kind of felt that moment sort of just like mm, petered out and it was gone. I don't know. Sometimes I, maybe it is an expectation thing. I'm waiting for that. Because the most affecting parts of the show was when it had that, that punch, that something that made me go, that made me feel it a little bit more. Mm. And it's- Whereas sometimes I, I think what I like in that moment is, which is a lot of like what I like when I just see Louis C.K. do like interviews or stand up, whatever. It's just like seeing his mind tick and mm. how articulate he is and the points he make are just so like straight through, well-made, well-reasoned, like just, and just, yeah, just watching him do that and articulate himself, I love. Like, so just having a couple of scenes like back to back of that. I was down for it totally. Just because of just seeing him just, just sort of I, I, do I think, his thing. Yeah, do his thing and I loved okay. it. Okay. Yeah. I'm really interested to see if there's if which way the show is going to go. If there's going to be more of that again. It just felt like it was an incomplete thought at some point. It just was sort of like a lot of things being said and thought and agreeing with a lot of it but never really reaching a uh, I don't know, a moment of catharsis. Yeah, you're waiting for like some sort of punchline or some sort of like no, do- or a, even a period at the I end. I guess of a period sentence. is what I'm waiting yeah. for sometimes. I want that just like that little button at the end. Yeah. Um I mean I did like that when the young lady walked away and his friend was like, If you had just eased off at the end there, you would have been <laughs> asleep with her. And I was like, sometimes like it's just as much as that sucks, like you just gotta be right. And if you've got something to say and if this is your passion, you just gotta like smash them into the ground and not in a sexual way. Yeah. Um, we had the dog pound episode where he went and got the dog and then the dog <laughs> died within seconds of being home. <laughs> that was that was quite good. That was funny. That was quite good. Um, the bully episode we've already talked about quite a little bit. Mm-hmm. What about the dentist episode? That's, I mean, spoilers, but that's my least favourite. That's also my least favourite. Why was it your least favourite? One, I mean, I didn't find the like... The rapey dentist thing, very funny at all. I like the um, Osama Bin Laden bit in the dream. That, that's what I've got in my notes. I'm like, the Osama Bin Laden had its moments. Um, I just love the absurdity of that like that dream. Because I feel like I've had that too. Yeah. Do you, okay, here's, okay, I'm getting really real for a second here. This might yeah. be a male thing. This might be just be a me thing. I don't know. There's this like part of me that has this like, I don't know if that's a fantasy or just a thing. It's like I'll be in a situation sometimes and I'll like feel a little dangerous. I'm feeling a little vulnerable or whatever. And I'll think about what would happen if like a terrorist showed up now or something went wrong. Like, what would I do? And it normally ends up with me. No, that's not a male thing. It's, a, you it's know, a everyone me- does, does that. This, everyone? everyone does okay. that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and it often ends up with me being the hero for some reason in my head. Everyone yeah, does okay, that. Cool, yeah, okay, cool, 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 cool. Because I work in the theatre. Right. And constantly when I'm bored at the theatre, I'm like, Someone could just blow up the theatre right now. What would I do? And in every scenario, I am th- I'm saving babies. <laughs> I'm saving old ladies. You're tackling the terrorists. Exactly. Whatever. I'm like, yeah, how yeah. dare you? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad that's not just me. <laughs> um, but I, I, I felt that moment was sort of articulated that a little bit without being to that extreme. It wasn't dangerous. The idea that he can just sit down and sort of articulate to these yeah. people why they're assholes. When he's just like, so how good. would you feel if someone did a did a 9-11 thingy to you? Like, it was I so guess I just never thought about it like that. <laughs> Wait, did I just convince you guys not to be terrorists? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very good. That was very so funny. So, that was a nice little highlight. But, yeah, the the weird, like, molesting dentist thing, I didn't find that funny. No. So, I was just like, 
I mean, I get it, but it's, it didn't make me laugh. So I was like, eh, whatever. Did, and it also didn't like make me feel anything. So I was like, meh, that's, that's yeah. nothing. And all, yeah, the story of when he's obsessed with the checkout chick and then he follows her home. As a woman, I was just like... As a man, I was watching <laughs> that going, this is I was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm such a I would just... See, what I expected was he just continues following this woman um, and she is fingers crossed, more like, you know, stronger and more capable than I am and just beats the shit out of him. That was my dream that, I mean, I wish, you know, every woman could do that, like a sure. creepy man swallowing them home and they could beat the shit out of them. Um, but to have a man do that is actually really awful. And I'm not saying you can't make a joke about it because you absolutely can, but I don't know what the joke was. Yeah, that's why it I can't figure it either. Strange. I don't know what it's saying about Louis. I don't know what it's saying about anything really. Yeah. Whether I obviously she tells him that he's being a creep. Mm. Eventually, she puts up with him for way too long. She well, and I, and she, I know yeah. that's her responsibility to do it. But in the context of what the show is telling us, he's not being told. The show is not saying loudly enough in my eyes that you are being a fucking creep right now. I don't know about that because, like, he gives her the flowers at the place and she's like, I don't want them. And then the guy, the manager comes up and is like, you can't do that. And then he but follows I'm her. I'm worried and then, like, that the show to some people might look like that Louis is the one who's the victim in that situation. I mean, I worry about that as well. It's kind of like the Walter White breaking yeah. bad thing. But I think if you had that perspective, you're already fucked. You know what I mean? Like... I guess, but let's not reinforce that. There's a way of at least undercutting it enough. I just, again, it just makes me let like the character less because I'm like, oh, the fact that he like the fact that he still got laid at the end is really, really bothersome. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you were, I think we were talking a little bit about this before. He needed to be punished at some stage. Yeah. Was he? No, not at all. Unless for some reason you think sleeping with a overweight African American is somehow punishment to just sleeping. With because the whole like, concept of yeah. the woman says, but he's no, because like, you when you see his chick. face, he's very happy to be there. Totally, so, yeah. So I don't, I don't know fucking what it was. know. <laughs> I, I think it was a uh, incomplete, dangerous thought. topic, yeah. which is sometimes really cool to play with. But unless you know exactly what you're saying, it just stays at that dangerous topic level, and nothing is really said, and anyone can in- inject their opinion on it. That's kind of the problem with scary, it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's missing some amount of. Mm, what's the word? Definition. Yeah. Yeah. That was my problem. Which, with it. which I think is strange for like Louis C.K. as a comedian. Usually his his standpoint on issue I mean, he's quite liberal, is very clear. Um and this one is just like, I don't know what that was. I don't know what you're saying there or what yeah. you're doing there. Yeah. Which I've never really felt with his stuff previously. Totally. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was an interesting one to me. The God one we've talked about, Jim. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's there. That were probably the main ones that really stood out. The stuff, as you said, with is it Pamela? Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Yeah, I don't know. Just her. I really enjoy her, and I really, really, really hope. I'm pretty sure in future seasons we do see more of her. Cool. But I really enjoy their friendship a lot. The other thing that I liked, actually, the one that I liked, even though it felt a little bit more absurd than we'd normally get in a Louis thing, was the travel day stuff like there was a very little subtlety to that joke or those those series of jokes about flying and airlines and yeah. stuff like that i felt like but they comedy were so by numbers, true but it was but it was but so spot on 
They've been like that story's been told time and time again because it's yeah. true. It like every time you go in an airport, that's what's hap- what happens. Though I really loved when um they were <laughs> they were going through some turbulence and that woman just starts screaming sure. and he's just like I feel like that's the sound someone makes just before they're about to die. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, that's that's pretty good. Just a hysterical woman on a plane. I think my favorite bit in that one is when he finally gets to the counter with like the the agent or whatever. And just her tone, her little like no interest. Yeah. Or just like yeah, that plane that crashed. It's like, oh, were there any survivors? Like no, everyone's dead. Except for a baby. But just like but just the tone. It's like, yep. Every single yeah. time. Well, that's you what have I that love. Like the like disinterest that. in that is like just relaying any information. What she's reading is horrific. But yeah. she's like, Oh yeah, 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 no. So everyone died. Oh no, one baby survived. But like And no and then one. the joke at the end was like, Would you like me to put you uh, on standby for the next like, Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> just all of that. Yeah. Loved that bit. And I, I did enjoy um I don't know why, but at the end of that when he's when he's in the south and that cop, oh, yeah. the cop has stopped that guy, and he's I like, that too. "I really liked it." And he's just like, "Can I get a kiss on the Can mouth? I get a kiss? kiss on the lips. Yeah." And Louis's like, "Oh, I mean, I can't see why not. I mean, if it makes you feel good." Yeah. And he does, and I thought that was just really sweet. I'd like, I, I thought that was I'd good too. I really liked that. I'm like, because at first it was funny because you're like, "Oh, geez, like this." Obviously, like, really scary kind of, like, trigger-happy cop in the South. It's, like, going to, like, make you make out with him. Maybe rape you. Like, some real, sure. like, yeah, seedy shit's going to go down. But, no, he's just, like, this really sweet guy who just wants a bit of a kiss. And Louis gives it to him. And it's beautiful. Yeah, it was quite sweet in yeah. its own strange way. <laughs> Anything else that you really want to bring up, talk about? No. I have nothing for you, bro. All right. We should start wrapping this up. This is going to be a shortish episode, but... It is, particularly for us. Particularly for us who'd like to just blah, blah, blah all the time. But I think that, I mean, a show like this that can feel just sort of like wash over you, as I said sometimes, that while it's talking about serious things, it's not necessarily got an ongoing story going on. Does that worry you at all? That there's no real like through line going on here? It doesn't worry me. I mean, worry in what sense? Oh, I mean, does it worry you that there's five seasons where it might just continue to stay episodic like this? Would you prefer it to start having some sort of serialized story would it bother you if it didn't would it affect um, your enjoyment I mean, of the show it is entirely dependent on how if it does stay completely episodic how strong those individual episodes are yeah. like it really depends on that if they're crap yeah. then i'd be like oh i kind of wish it was serialized so i could like at least hold on to like my love of a character in there and watch their art yeah sure so it really yeah it really depends um i mean me naturally, I kind of would like to see a bit of an arc in a character, mm-hmm. um, so I'm kind of hoping for that. But it won't bother me. If that's not the case. It's it's as long as the quality like remains. It's doing a good job of communicating that it probably won't be that. So uh, yeah, it's not like it's demanding it. So I'm not demanding it. I guess. Yeah. All right, let's start wrapping this up then. Favorite and least favorite episodes. We've already talked about that. Basically, have favorite <laughs> episode was episode nine, bully. Yep. For agreed. all the reasons we talked about, just it's. Genuine emotional nuance mm-hmm. that was in there, and and step after step of like, oh, this is what it is. Going oh further, no, going I further. feel something. Oh, this is what it is. Oh no, I feel another thing. Yeah, it's great. I didn't. I didn't articulate that, but I agree with you hundred percent. I thought that story ended with her saying, "I don't want to have sex yeah. with you," and which is normally how those things do end in Louis. I find so when yeah. it kept going, I found that genuinely fascinating. Yeah, and it, yeah, least favorite episode, episode ten, dentist, the dentist, Therese. Yeah, yeah, just whatever. Yeah, we already mentioned that. Cool. <laughs> Final score. Out of five stars. 
Uh, I'm going to give it a four. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought the writing was incredibly strong. Um, the, I really like the unconventional breakdowns of the episodes. I felt that really engaging and I'm really looking forward to see where it goes. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I even laugh a lot. I'm going to give it three and a half. I was going to give it three originally, but actually this discussion has made me appreciate a little bit more. Um, and I realized how much of it I liked. I think maybe I was concentrating a little bit too much on like a couple of the things I didn't like or just mm. found unaffective or not effective enough. Um, but no, there's a lot to like here really. And I, I'm looking forward to that next season. There's certainly there's very little that makes me unhappy with it. It just didn't always make me go, oh, I can't wait to watch the next episode or oh, I love that episode. Yeah. As much as some other shows that we have watched have done. Will we keep watching? Definitely. Sure, sure. I, again, I'm not like super standing on my chair going, can't wait for the next... I'm genuinely excited okay, to cool. watch the next few seasons. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated to see it more than anything. I'm interested to get it. It's a lot of respect there and I'm really like intellectually engaged and want to see where things go and what the turn, yeah, show I mean, turns I, into. I think I just like, even before I've watched the show, like I'm just like a huge... I have so much respect for Louis as a comedian sure. and like the amount of like the real work and craft that goes into what he does. Um, and I'm just looking forward to that kind of being a part of like future seasons as well. And Cause he's such a comedy nerd and he's like, he's just so on it and he's so knowledgeable about what he's doing. I mean, he's obviously been doing it for such a long time. So I'm just like really excited to watch the craft of what he does. Yeah. Cool. Predictions, hopes, and or concerns. Do you have anything in those categories at all? Um, I, well, it's not really predictions, but it's kind of hopes. I hope that we see um, some linking between early Louis' mum and late Louis' mum. Yep. Um, just to see how that kind of close relationship turned out to be him not wanting to really have anything to do with her. Because um, I think that could be quite fascinating. I would love to see more of Pamela. I would love for their friendship to grow. Not necessarily romantically, but just a genuine friendship grow there. I really enjoy their dynamic. I'd be interested to see, obviously like not in next season or the next one, maybe a little further along, maybe to see his career pick up a little bit. Like he's not just doing small clubs and seeing how that kind of changes a little bit of like the so character as of his Louis. rising as his star rises in real life if yeah. that doesn't happens. have to be a dramatic rise but just a bit more not- notoriety and that sure. kind of thing and how um that might play on his you know dating and that kind yeah. of thing and like being known a little bit that would and be he's great not so I'd much love a loser that. and how he has to deal with like feeling like a loser but it's not a loser yeah like, yeah that kind of thing yeah what totally. about you i mean the only thing that i sort of expect and hope for at the same time is based off that conversation I had with this person on the weekend was that there are more episodes like the bully episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, It sounds like that's probably where it goes for better or for worse. But personally, that excites me because I think that's when it was most affecting is when it was, I might have been laughing less or less amused, but I was also more intellectually and emotionally engaged. Mm. I found that yeah, those cool. moments when, like you said, intellectually and emotionally engaged are the best moments of Louis. That's it. And if yeah, that's totally. if there's more of that, I'm going to be really happy, I think. Yeah. Um, I just think that's what made it shine for me. It's mm-hmm. They were its best moments. Again, not that anything was bad necessarily, but that's what made it set it apart 
um, and and affected me the most. Yeah. Cool. I think that's it. Beautiful. Easy. Nice and short and sweet. Mm-hmm. I like it. If you would like to contact us, you can do so on Facebook at Hunting Seasons. You can find us on Twitter at Hunting's Cast. You can email us at HuntingSeasonsPodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at B Gordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me at Maskimu, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. I'll also like to thank Sean Kirkpatrick for designing our wonderful logo and graphics. You can find his work at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfoliobox.net and also Jordan Calavis for writing and performing our fantastic theme song. You can find him at soundcloud.com slash classicjrex. That's classic J-R-E-X. Also, if you are so inclined, please consider reviewing us on iTunes. There is no way for us to get noticed better than getting some reviews up there. So please consider that. If you, It only takes a couple of seconds to do it, really. Even if you just do the star rating, you don't have to write a message. But if you do, that's always wonderful too. In two weeks, we'll come back and we'll do season two of Louis. But next week, we're going to start a, uh, a new category. This is the recommended category. Yay! So in this one, Damask... I'm fist pumping. I'm ...is fist recommending pumping. a show for me to watch. Mm-hmm. I can't believe he hasn't watched it and you should all um, publicly shame him um, on Twitter. He this has is a not sh- watched... This is a show. Oh. <laughs> Just remember, this is a podcast about what we haven't watched, all right? Let's, let's not shame anyone but here. No, I'm sorry. But as a dear friend, you made me watch Avatar and for years I've told you to watch this show and you have not watched I have watched half a season. It's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. I agree. <laughs> what show is that, Damask? It is... Drum roll, please. Thank you. It is Orange is the New Black. <laughs> I love this show. I remember when the first season came out and I watched it through, straight through, no breaks, and then continuously throughout the week would watch it like every like day and a half. Like as long as it took, I would watch it. It would stop. I would start it again. Just continuously for a week. So you were stuck in a Groundhog Day loop just watching this show over and over again. I was obsessed with this show. The whole first season. I had never seen anything like it before. The incredibly rich characters, mostly female. It was just incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And even if like you only watch the first season, that will make me happy because like I think it, it... it changed my perception of what TV could be a little bit. Like it was like it, the horizons like, opened yeah, up a little bit for like, you, oh, like people can make a show like this where it's just like so female centric and really, really good. Oh, it made me so happy. So, is is this your avatar? Do you think as much as I gush and love Avatar? No, it's not my avatar. Oh, it's not your avatar. No, no. Is there a show that is your avatar? Um. The American Office is probably my avatar. Sure. Like that's the, that's probably that's my favorite show. See, so. the American Office is probably my community though. I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. I just feel like they're more they're similar, more similar than Avatar and No, I just mean they're, like they're again, I like, the new gl- black and Avatar have nothing in common. Yeah, no, I just mean like the Office is my favorite show. Gotcha. So like anyone I meet on the street, I'm like, oh, have you Avatar's seen the American not my Office? Favorite show. Oh, then what do you mean by Avatar's not my favorite show? What do you mean by As it's just like that gem that you need everyone to watch because not enough people have watched it? Or oh, is it just that I'm the only one that hasn't watched it? You're the only one I know that hasn't watched Orange sure. is the New Black. At least that first season, you're the only one I know. So I have, uh, let's be clear, I have watched the first half of the first season. Not good enough. No, I, I agree. But I, it's not like I haven't watched any of it. And what I've seen, I've really liked. I'm looking forward to watching the rest. So did you stop halfway because you hate women? Is that why? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Knew that's it. exactly Knew the it. reason. I'm a misogynist asshole. 
Tony Abbott's my best friend. Um, no, I, I actually don't remember why I stopped. I think it was just one of those things where I, I, I get intimidated by the idea of... Like, I have not watched... No, I've watched one. You know how Netflix does this whole like binge thing where they release yeah. all the episodes at once? Mm-hmm. I feel this immense pressure when it comes out that I have to watch it immediately. And if I miss it, if I don't watch it in that second, it doesn't get watched basically. Um, I didn't get through Orange and New Black. Season two of Daredevil. I still have not finished that. Well, I haven't. I've watched the first two episodes of Daredevil. I've watched the first two episodes of Jessica Jones, and I liked both of them. I and can't believe you haven't finished Jessica Jones. And I know I will. I haven't even got to the bit where David Tennant comes in yet. Like I know I'm going to love Jessica Jones. You are going to like urinate and defecate in your pants. Jessica Jones is so good. Yeah. He is the like David Tennant is the scariest. Marvel villain in the MCU that is the TV universe part of the MCU. It is yeah. sort of yeah. Let's just he say is yes. Terrifying, like he will scare you, and just through I don't know osmosis. I don't know how it works. Will scare your grandchildren that are somehow living in your testes. Like every generation of your family will be scared of David Tennant just by you viewing. Does he Jessica do? Jones. Does he do the body crouch thing where he like licks his lips weirdly as well? No, the thank God. That was a Isn't weird choice. That was, I hated it. I, I love David Tennant. It. I hate that performance. I hate that movie though. It's the worst Harry Potter movie is the fourth one. It just is. Yeah. They skipped yes. the Quidditch World Cup. At that point, you'd lost me. I mean, it was hard after like Azkaban because that was so good. True. Uh, but back on topic for a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, so I think... The only show from Netflix that I've watched the in- oh there's two, I've watched Kimmy Schmidt season one and I've watched Master of None season one and I watched them all through basically in a day. I haven't gone back and watched season two of Kimmy Schmidt though, mind you. I have. Um, Love it. Yeah, and I haven't gotten through. I haven't watched a single season or episode of of House of Cards. I haven't watched. I have Netflix. I pay for it every fucking month and I mm. barely watch it. I watched like one and a half of House of Cards, but like the first season I really liked. But after like those first few episodes, I'm like, it's never as good. It's never as good. It's just like the first couple of episodes. It's like, it's amazing. And it's just kind of like, the writing isn't as sharp. Okay. Because it's done by, what's his face? Yeah. So David Fincher like directed the first couple of episodes and it's so good. Right. So, so good. And then just, I don't know, like some cool things happen, but it's, I don't know. It's never as like, bam, as those first couple. Fair enough. Mm. Point being... I am regretful I haven't watched Orange is the New Black. I'm looking yeah. forward to watching it. I'm so excited for you to watch the first season. What happens if I don't like it? I think it'll just make me really sad. Sad? Yeah, That's I all? think so. Okay. Yeah. The same thing is like, because in the future, I plan to make you watch the first season of Veronica Mars. And if I am really want to watch that too. Yeah, and if you didn't like that, I would, yeah, I think I'd just be really sad. Okay. Because like, it's you one of those things like... You wouldn't defriend me like I threatened with Avatar? <laughs> so you... No, no. Because, I, I, you know, when you love something that much, you just want to like, no, like geek it. out with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I hope you like it. I think you will. Okay. I'd be very surprised if you didn't. Very cool. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Me too. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening to Hunting Seasons once again. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.